Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am so happy to have you with me here today, and boy do I have a treat for you. I had the privilege of uh, sitting down with author and minister Putty Putman and his about his new book, Live Like Jesus, and we had an amazing conversation about the suffering that we encounter for the gospel and how our new righteous identity empowers us to live a truly a wonderful life for Jesus. We bring out stories from the Apostle Paul and stories from Putty Putman's own life on following Jesus and how it's not always easy. And, and there is suffering, but we can do incredible things for Jesus in this life that we will then carry as trophies into eternity. So listen in and make sure you stay tuned for a powerful prayer of agreement on your new identity, your righteous identity, and who God says you are. Let's listen in. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I am so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I've got an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me. He is the founding director of the School of Kingdom Ministry in Urbana, Illinois. He also serves as a leadership role in the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois, and he is the author of Live Like Jesus. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Putty Putman. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you with me. Yeah, looking forward to our chat. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, so I um I I got a chance to look over your book and I really enjoyed it, Live Like Jesus. Um I found it very inspiring. And um I've told our listeners a lot about you. Is there anything um, that you'd like to share with them? Maybe something I haven't already mentioned, maybe something personal? Sure, sure. Well, you know, uh, one thing that I can do actually is share a bit of an update. I, I uh, Apparently, maybe I should have sent you a bit of an updated bio because I am right now, like many others I find, um, the Lord is kind of uh, changing, uh, changing tracks for me during this whole COVID thing. Um, and so while everything that you said is accurate and what I spent about the last 10 years doing, um, the Lord's beginning to kind of launch me off on a new adventure. Um, and so I actually passed along my leadership role in School King Ministry and the church to, to others in the last few months. 
And um, I'm really praying and discerning about what it is that the Lord is calling us to next. Um, and looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I, I know many of us out there can relate to the Lord shifting what we're doing and, and everything like that. And thank you so much for sharing that. It takes a lot of courage. <laughs> yeah. You know, when the Lord's like, hey, how about you walk away from your your uh, your job, you sell your house, and uh, eventually I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> well, that's so awesome. I um, you know, I like that having a relationship with Jesus is a uh, real and dynamic and you never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. True story. <laughs> which it, which sounds good on the outside. Um and then and then once in a while the Lord actually asks for something and then it's kind of a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely scary. Like I always tell people I step forward with my knee shaking. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's a good yeah. that's a good descriptor. And it, it's so interesting because I think sometimes people have this idea that when we follow God we're not going to feel fear. But that's not the case. And it's absolutely not what the Bible says. If we look at the story of Gideon sure. and, and yeah. Abraham, and it's like you step forward in spite of it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, I think if anything, I would say maybe it's the other way around that like, you know, there's sometimes I think where you're with God. And then I think there's other times you're following God, you know, um, you know, the Israelites camped with the, the pillar and the fire and the cloud and whatever for extended periods of time. But then once in a while, it would start moving and they'd pack up and they'd follow, mm -hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> I think when you're camping with God and life feels normal, it doesn't feel scary to be with God. But it definitely feels scary to follow God because you never really know where he's going. You never really know uh, what he's doing. He doesn't seem to like to share a lot of steps in advance most right. of the time. And so for me... Uh, you know, if I'm actually trying to follow God, I find that if I'm not afraid, I'm probably not actually following him. Or at least maybe I'll just put it this way. If there's not a temptation to be afraid, uh, then I'm probably not following right. him because he likes to look like God, which usually means things look a little dire along the way. First. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's so good. I, I find, you know, in my own life, Sometimes it's 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 all you can do to hang on. You know, I think about that roller coaster ride and Holy Spirit's in charge and you don't know where that dip is coming, but it's coming, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think the more that you follow him, the more you learn to anticipate those things and you know that even in the midst of those dips, he's with you. Yep. I love the I love the roller coaster analogy. Um, you know, one of one of my beliefs is that you know, for most people, a roller coaster is either like the most fun they'll ever have or the worst experience <laughs> they'll ever have. And the difference is whether you truly trust the ride, right? Like if you truly trust the ride, then it's a total blast. Uh, but if you don't, then it's the worst and you never want to do it again. And I think there's something like that with following God. It's either the funnest adventure you'll ever have or the worst experience of your life and your degree of trust is really what's going to make the difference. That is so good and so true. Yeah, I think about like when we get on a roller coaster, we expect that there's been safety checks and we expect the cart's going to stick to the rails. Mm -hmm. And I think when we learn about who Jesus really is and we learn about his character, you know, we can expect that he's going to keep us in the cart, right? <laughs> yeah. I love that you talked about a real Jesus in your book. Tell me about 
some real dips, some real loop-de-loops you've encountered with him. You know, like I said, Jesus, he seems to like to uh, lead in such a way that sort of shows off who he is and how amazing he is. And so, I don't know, in my life, most of the time, that has looked like moments where it feels like the Lord kind of pushes all the chips to the middle of the table, uh, so Mm. to speak. And, you know, I have no idea what he's doing. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example from one of the, the last transitions uh, of my, uh, my journey. So, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the School King ministry that I, uh, that I founded and, and led for a decade. Um, my role in uh, the leadership team at the Vineyard Church of Central Illinois. You know, both of those were really cool and really exciting things. And School King ministry like went all over the world, trained thousands and thousands of people. I mean, it like kind of became this thing, um, you know, within the vineyard movement, uh, you know, globally, I uh, was able to probably come to a place of, of one of the more influential millennials and in, in the vineyard denomination globally. And so, you know, there was a lot of fruit and from the outside, it, it looks uh, fairly successful, I suppose. Um, at least by the the measures that we we tend to to, to measure by, and um, but before that, before all of that, you know, the beginning to all of that was I um, I was trained actually not is uh, to be a minister but to be a scientist. Uh, I went through graduate school. I got of all things a PhD in physics. I uh, invested nine ten years of my life in that trajectory. And just as I was completing it, the Lord basically um, basically led me to lay it all down and uh, walk away from, you know, a decade of investment in physics uh, without really knowing where I was heading. You know, I didn't know that School King Mystery was going to result. I didn't know that I'd have, you know, this position of influence in the Minion Movement or whatever. Like, I just knew the Lord told me to take the last decade and walk away from it. And that he would do something, <laughs> um, you know. And so when it talks, when I talk about like dips in the journey, you know, and the sort of like mm-hmm. uncertain times, you know, um, it it takes a lot to walk away from that to be like, I don't have a job, I don't have a career trajectory. I didn't know I was going to become a pastor. I didn't know ministry was what the Lord was calling me to. I just knew He was telling me to walk away from it, and um, that felt like a pretty big dip. <laughs> yeah, it felt, absolutely. It felt like uh, uh, laying down a whole lot and really being really confused. What on earth are you doing, Lord? This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you, you're the one who brought me through this journey to get one of the most advanced degrees in the world. And now you're telling me to walk away and never use it. And what do you want me to do? Go work for Starbucks? I don't feel like this makes a lot of sense right now. <laughs> wow. Um, but in time, you know, God's good. He knew exactly what he was doing. And uh, there was a lot yeah. of fruit and it was really powerful and and, and whatever. And so, you know, <clears throat> that was one of my kingdom dips, you know, and I, I'm sort mm-hmm. of in the middle of another one right now where I'm like, okay, Lord, you just asked me to lay it all down again, you know, lay down the ministry, lay down the... Uh, the career track, lay down all that stuff. And okay, God, what are we doing? You know, that's amazing. And some days, probably more days than I would prefer to admit, it's hard and confusing and sometimes painful. Uh, But God is good, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of, for me, at least, it's not a matter of putting aside the difficult feelings 
or dismissing them or trying mm-hmm. to pretend that the journey isn't hard. Mm-hmm. It's more a matter of accepting those feelings and growing my trust in the Lord to be bigger than those feelings that I feel. <laughs> and so it's not about burying that. It's about walking with the Lord through it. Amen. And what I usually find is that in those dip points, that's when the Lord forms us for the next thing that he has for us. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't navigate it in such a way where we are real through it, <laughs> so to speak, then we actually wind up getting shortcutted on the next season because it was too hard. It was too painful. We tried to escape it or get in denial about how hard it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meanwhile, then we're actually missing the formation that the Lord is doing in us. Oh, so good. For me, I'm I'm a fan of just being real about it. Like this is hard, but like whoever said following God was supposed to be easy. Like mm-hmm. I'm not sure where that linked in in American Christianity because like, I don't see it being easy. Like take up your cross and follow me is not Mm -hmm. a statement of something that's going to be fun or easy or enjoyable. Um, But I'm not here for my own comfort. I'm here to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so if it gets uncomfortable, then it gets uncomfortable. I'd rather be faithful in discomfort than arguing with God about how comfortable I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be. Oh my gosh. I love you so much. (laughs) I feel like you are truly speaking my own language. I, I find it I find it very difficult when people want to dismiss real feelings. Um and, mm. and you're absolutely right. That is the moment when we discover the real Jesus, when we are when we are being really honest with him and we are inviting him into that situation. That's when we experience his comfort. It's not when we try to push it away and say, I'm not scared, I'm not scared, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there the whole time going, I'm right here if you are. It's okay. (laughs) Right, right, right. And and I think those are the moments where true spiritual authority is forged. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about the real Jesus. I mean, what I'm what I mean when I say that is, have you met God in moments like that? You know, Mm -hmm. because I think the enemy of spiritual authority is like is the triteism right answerism thing that we jump to right away. Mm -hmm. You know. Where it's like, well, of course God's with me. And it's like, okay, like, you know, that's the right answer, but you haven't met God where you're at. Like, let's be real about that. You haven't met God where you're at. And when you meet God where you're at, then you'll increase in spiritual authority. Mm-hmm. But if not, all you're handing me is like man-made answers. Exactly. It's religion yep. is what it is. Yep. And, you know, it, it doesn't actually help anyone. No. But if you're willing to journey it, and actually meet God, wrestle with God, a la Jacob, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and meet him in the hard spot. You do walk away different. You mm-hmm. you limp maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, but what you find is in that limp, the power of God is made manifest, you know, by our weakness and our weakness, he's made strong. And so, Absolutely. Um, you know, when I talk about meeting the real Jesus, I like, I'm that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, have you... Have you wrestled to the bottom of your barrel and gotten to the point where there's nothing left yep. and then God meets you in a real way there? Yep. If so, you walk changed and you actually have something to offer the world. Mm-hmm. Like ministry doesn't come like maybe maybe this is kind of one of those things where like I, I'm all about I love impartation. I think it's amazing. I think it's beautiful. I think it's an important ministry. 
But I feel like sometimes we can try and make it a shortcut. You know, it's like, I just want someone, a big name to pray for me and I'll fall over and then I'll get up and I'll be effective. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Hey, I've received impartations. I've given impartations. I love it when the Lord does that. But if I'm trying to get an impartation to avoid the formation of the Lord on my life, then I've made it an idol. And I don't think that's a good thing at all. Right. And so, you know, for me, I'm, I'm about meeting Jesus in that real place mm-hmm. and wrestling with God and getting there. <laughs> Absolutely. And a lot of times after we get that impartation, then we'll go into those wrestling moments where what we just received is tested and we're being formed. Mm-hmm. Um, I will never forget. I was in a like conference. It was like a 20 year anniversary conference, like of Toronto or something like that. Mm. And the Lord was like, touching me. And this guy walks up to me and he goes, I want what you have. And immediately I just knew by revelation, he wasn't willing to pay the price. Mm. And it's not that the anointing costs anything. It doesn't, it's free, but there is a price that we pay. Mm -hmm. You know, every time we're lied about, every time we're gossiped about, every time we suffer hardship, every time we leave our family, Every time we are on the floor pouring our heart out to God when things are hard, there's a price we pay. Mm -hmm. And we get up and we still go forward because because he's called us, because he's asked us, because his love for us is greater than anything else. But there is an absolute formation. And I, you know, it it bothers me when people aren't willing to be real with God because then they're not real with other people. Like you said, that Christianese answer, that religious answer, and it keeps people from connecting not only with God, but with their fellow man. Mm -hmm. Because then I see where, you know, a fellow believer comes up to the same person and they say, they just give them that Christianese answer. And then they walk away not feeling heard, not feeling validated, not feeling connected, not bearing one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it just, I see it. I've experienced it. It really breaks my heart because I really feel like God wants a deeper level of connection, not only uh, vertically, but laterally, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And, you know, a number of years ago, this, we're totally digressing. We're not talking about any of the subject of my book. Which I know, is, I know. No problem with that. Guys, it's a great book. You want to learn about your identity? Read Live Like Jesus. Okay, there we go. We talked about <laughs> um, But, um, you know, a number of years ago, I realized that, um, you know, for all the talk that there is about apostolic ministry that exists in the charismatic stream of the body of Christ, I realized I had no idea what the essence of apostolic ministry was. You know, like we point often to a lot of external things, you know, so-and-so is leading such a big network of churches or something like that. Um, In general, what we seem to point to is like leadership. Like when we say apostolic, we mean a high level leader or something like that. Um, But in my opinion, I don't think that's, I don't think, I think that's completely missing the ball. I don't think apostolic giftings are about leadership. I think there's often some correlation and there's probably good reason for that. But I think the essence of apostolic leadership is an entirely different thing. And I think leadership is the, is the fruit, not the core of it. 
Mm-hmm. And I dug into the Bible for a little while and really, really tried to search out what I what I sensed that would be. And uh, the conclusion that I eventually came to is that the essence of apostolic ministry is that in your life, you are actually incarnating the death and resurrection of Jesus through your life itself. And in that, creating... Um, that juncture point of heaven and earth that the kingdom of God may come. Mm. Um, obviously, Jesus was the once for all time atonement that none of our sufferings or persecutions or losses or griefs uh, are going to work redemptively in the world the way that Jesus is did. I mean, that would be ridiculous to, mm-hmm. to think that there's anything like that happening. Um, I don't think we need to put ourselves on the same plane as him in that regard. But at the same time, when I look at the things that, for example, Paul touts as his apostolic ministry, you know, there's peripheral things. Yeah, he plants churches. Yeah, he walks in signs and wonders. Yeah, he has incredible revelation um, and can unlock the scriptures and all of those things. But when he starts talking about his identity and the core of who he is, he's always like, I'm a bondservant of Christ. I'm here actually to suffer. I'm actually here to die. And it's not about the great things I do. It's actually about the extent to which I join in the death of Jesus, that I can bring the life of Jesus to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he when he starts touting his apostolic credibility, that's always the thing he goes to is the degree of death that he walks in. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, what Jesus did was in his death, he linked heaven to earth. And I think there's a degree to which, uh, you know, we don't like to talk about this in American Christianity, but I think there's a degree in which, um, you know, death still does link heaven and earth to some extent. And when we allow ourselves to walk into death, it's not that we're atoning like Jesus atoned, but we are joining in Jesus's atonement. We are entering into the sufferings of Christ, and that is the place of new birth. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, apostolic ministry actually what we like to celebrate is the resurrection. You know, we like to celebrate the signs and wonders. We like to celebrate the, the planting of church movements or whatever it is. And all of that is fair and as fine as legit. Um, but the essence of it, I think, is a willingness to, to, to come and die, really. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what's the one thing that the, uh, the 12 disciples all, uh, all did wind up having in common, you know, with the exception of potentially uh, John, is they were martyred. That's actually the the thing that they had in right. common. You know, they all went to different people. They all did different things. Uh, but what they walked in was martyrdom. And I think actually even Peter understood this. This is why Peter was so grieved that when his moment came where he could have died with Jesus, he sold him out instead. Mm-hmm. And why he was so crushed by that and why Jesus actually restores not just his position of leadership, but his call to be a martyr. He says, like, Peter, you'll actually get the chance to be the martyr that you want to be. I know you said, even if they all betray you, I'll die with you. You'll actually have that chance. Like, I, that's restored, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, anyway, I, I'm, we're digressing here, like, way <laughs> off the path. But I think, I think, you know, true apostolic ministry is more about joining Jesus and his death. And I wish that we would talk about that as the American church. Well, Uh, you know, I honestly don't think we're too far off your book because I'm sitting here looking at the questions and it says, number one is how can we know if 
if our faith is truly real, you know? And, you know, we're talking about real, honest faith. I mean, the apostles, they were, the, they were willing to lay down their lives for real, for a real Jesus, you know? Yeah. And uh, I love that you mentioned the sufferings as well as the resurrection. I, I am with you on that. Here's a couple things. So number one, um, I really believe that the Apostle Paul, one of the signs and wonders he possessed is he would bear the stigmata. I really believe that after looking mm. through and what the Lord has shown me and everything, I really believe that. And, mm. and, uh, we have to be willing to know that it is, it is, it is Christ who died and he now inhabits us, but it's also the resurrected Christ who now inhabits us. And so I love, Absolutely. I love that the 11, the 11 apostles were crucified and then John, they tried to kill him. John was so full of the life of Christ. They couldn't kill him, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and yeah. as, as much as I am willing to die for him, you have to be willing to live for him as well. Both are equally mm. important. But I, I, yeah. do, I do think the American church has almost been inoculated against the sufferings of living for Christ. And, mm -hmm. and, and I believe that that needs to be restored. I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just say <clears throat> to any to any American who has the ability to do so, go experience the church in a third world country. You know, like I, I've had the, the unique privilege of being able to spend a fair bit of time with the um, the illegal church in China. Mm. And these are people who regularly face going to jail who, you know, the government tears down their buildings after they've built them, uh, you know, who, who face legit stuff. And, you know, I would say if you've never seen faith like that, like if you've never seen the church like that, <laughs> then <clears throat> you need to, mm -hmm. like you, you, you need to be confronted by that. Yeah. Um, you need, because, because otherwise like, there's this like weird con confluent or um, conflating of like Christianity and the American dream, which come together, Yes, you know, which is like all about like Christianity is about our personal prosperity, you know, and this kind of thing. And it's not <laughs> like Christianity is about the Lordship of Jesus. And because Jesus is a good King, like, he will in general bless you yes. as, yes. <laughs> as you conform your life to him. Like, yes, you know, I, and I don't want to, you know, but it's like, if the blessing for you becomes the thing that it's about, like, that's not good. Like you need to be willing to walk through the fact that this is also a broken world. And sometimes serving the Lord means uh, facing the brokenness of the world and yes. not the, the, the blessing that we want to feel. Um, yes. And if you're not willing to do that, then I would suggest like, you're not, you're not following Jesus as Lord, mm -hmm. you know, like <laughs> you might be following him as <laughs> the God you believe in, but you know, your own comfort yes. is more your focus than his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like Paul seemed to walk in this incredible thing where he was just like, I don't really care what happens to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if I have a lot. I don't care if I have a little. He was like, hmm, this is a really hard decision. Should I should I live or should I die and be with Jesus? Like, man, hmm, hard choice here. Like, 
he's he's looking at his life through the lens of like, yeah, maybe I should live, maybe I should die. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a crazy, powerful kind of thinking that I think is what made him unstoppable. Yes. It's why he shows up in cities and people are like, the guy who's flipping the world upside down is here. We got to deal with this. This is bad news. It's because he didn't count his life as worth anything. He was only about what Jesus was doing and he fully trusted that Jesus would give him what he needed. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't looking out for himself. Um, Absolutely. I think, I think that's a powerful place to be. I think so too. And, you know, I think you're right about this whole meshing together of our comfort and the American dream and uh, understanding that we are blessed in Christ. And sometimes when the hardship comes, the biggest blessing is that he's with us. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not necessarily the money or the cars or the the whatever or whatever it is you're after, but it's him. It's it's right. Jesus himself, mm-hmm. you know, right. and, and I, I think if we can just wrap our heads around that, yes, when he shows up, things prosper. Can't help it. Mm-hmm. But right. but, you know, hell also breaks loose because it's fighting against the kingdom of God all around us. Right. Right. This is kind of a, a bit of a radical perspective, I suppose. But, I, you know, this is strange. I'm not usually so into like suffering and death. And <laughs> Sorry. Theme of our conversation here. You're drawing it out in me. Christine. Oh, my gosh. I'm no. sorry. I don't know if that's a good um, thing. <laughs> you know, I think I think it is incredibly profound that after Jesus resurrects, he still has the holes in his hands and the holes mm-hmm. in his hands. Yes, he does. Yeah. What that tells me is that heaven is not constructed in such a way that it obliterates the points in our life where we were faithful through suffering. Mm, that's good. Heaven is constructed in such a way that preserves those points. Mm-hmm. And what that means to me is that, you know, like we all have like a window here in our life where we get to, we get to have the warm up before heaven, you know? And it's like, Hey, let, I hope you get 90 years. Maybe you get 60 years. Maybe you get a tragedy and it's, and it's earlier than that. But whatever it is, this is, this is a very short warm up phase to what's going to be a very long eternity. And for all eternity, we're guaranteed to be comfortable. <laughs> we've got we've got all our needs met. Like there's for the overwhelming majority of our infinitely long life, we are not going to have any difficulties or pains. And so we have a short window to experience something that I believe is actually going to be part of our legacy when we go to heaven. This is the only time when we can suffer in faithfulness to the gospel and in faithfulness to Jesus. Mm. And we will carry the trophies of that suffering for the entirety of eternity. Like they're preserved on the body of Jesus. They're going to be preserved in our eternal legacy as well. That is so good. For me, I'm like, why are we so worried about the comfort thing? Like if you're still fixated on that, I would, I would challenge. I'm not sure you understand the gospel. Like, you have eternity of comfort. Like it's coming. Just be patient. Just hold on a few <laughs> years. Like you're going to have everything you need. Like it's going to be okay. You know, like yeah, the window yeah. you've got now is actually not about your comfort. It's about your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And if you can be faithful now, then it actually becomes a part of your treasure in heaven that you keep forever. I think that's powerful. That's so good. Oh man, it's so good. I love it. 
Thank you. So good. I'm getting blessed over here. (laughs) I love your book because we are talking about a real God who loves us and Mm. who suffered for us. Is there anything burning on your heart that you would like to speak to our listeners right now? Maybe if they're struggling with encountering a real faith, what would you like to say to them? For sure. Yeah. You know, for me, this whole book came out of the journey that I had with realizing that I didn't really get faith the way that I was like supposed to get it. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't that I didn't understand it. It, I did. Like I grew up in the background for me. I grew up in the church. I grew up um, going to church every single Sunday, super involved with youth group. I went to a Christian college. You know, I took courses in theology and church history, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, I've always been a good student. It wasn't that I didn't understand it's that it hadn't become my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I realized it was like, I know all the right answers. I don't know why they're the right answers. I don't know why, like, it. these things matter, you know? Um, and so I, I went through a journey of really searching these things out for myself. Um, I suppose the language that uh, people like these days is uh, people like the idea of deconstruction, right? I'm going to find out what I believe for myself. Mm. Um, But I was smart enough to deconstruct while soaking myself in the Bible, which unfortunately I feel like most people aren't. Right, yeah, that's dangerous (laughs) Um, otherwise. Deconstruct (laughs) and soak themselves in a lot of other things. Right, yeah. Um, But so I wound up looking at it and being like, you know what? I'm not really sure what actually happened at the cross. Like, I know I'm supposed to say the answer is we were like all forgiven or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I don't really understand why that's necessary because people could be forgiven before Jesus, you know? Like, like they had this whole temple thing and sacrifice and whatever, and people got forgiven, you know? So like, sure, like, I'm not saying we didn't get forgiven, but I'm saying like, I don't understand, like, why did Jesus have to die? Like, why does the son of God die make such a big difference? Because if I could have been forgiven either way, like this is a little tongue in cheek, but also trying to sort of push the point. Maybe Jesus saved the animals, not me. If I could have been forgiven either way. I mean, they're the ones who didn't have to get sacrificed, you know? So like what gives with that? Like what's really happening there? I was I was realizing I had been handed a lot of right answers and not really taught how to think through these things for myself. Mm. I went through <clears throat> a period where I just dug, dug, dug into the Bible, specifically the book of Romans. I probably reread Romans 1 through 8, uh, 75 to 100 times um, and just read through it and prayed through it and read through it and prayed through it and dug and dug and dug and dug and dug. And dug. And what eventually emerged from that for me was a realizing that our Christianity and the gospel is absolutely linked to forgiveness and all of that. Mm -hmm. I have no desire to downplay that. That's beautiful. And that's really important. And that's really powerful. Um, But I realized that when Paul writes, he is talking about, he does talk about forgiveness. He does talk about dealing with, with that layer but he also writes a tremendous amount about our identity. And in fact, I would suggest, shocking though this may seem, 
that he writes more about our identity than about forgiveness. And I was shocked to discover that when we even talk about the term identity, we don't even use the language I think that Paul uses. Um, Mm. You know, often identity has been kind of a buzzword in the body of Christ for the last decade or so. And I think that's for good reason. I mean, the fact is, is like the current generation is growing up with shattered families and nobody knows who they are. So of course we need that from the Lord. Like that just makes sense. Um, And so we're pressing into that. We're trying to find out where does that sense of self-understanding come from? And we can intuit, we know we're supposed to get it from God. Like we know it's supposed to come from our faith. Um, But we hang it on strange places sometimes. Um, The language that I usually hear when it talked about identity is actually the language of sonship. Um, And sonship is important and sonship really matters. Uh, I want to perhaps a bit provocatively suggest that sonship is not the primary identity term in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Sonship shows up in like a handful of verses in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an important part of our identity, but it's actually not the core. It's like a slice. Um, But what Paul writes about is he writes over and over and over about our identity, which is connected Um, to this term uh, that he uses called righteousness. Yes. The biblical term for identity is righteousness. Yes. And I would would suggest it's not first and foremost sonship, it's righteousness. And this word righteousness is one of those words that we've lost because it's become religiousized and we've defined it in weird ways. I remember growing up hearing righteousness was, quote, right standing before God, whatever on earth that's supposed to mean. Like, that doesn't connect with me as a person at all. Like, I don't know, like, it sounds like it's, you know, belongs in some court document or something. Yeah. Um, Well, the term righteousness, it actually refers to Christ who is standing before God in heaven as our eternal righteousness. He's our representation before the father. Sure. Yeah, no, he is. And in that, the, so there's, there's two bits to it, right? There's Christ's righteousness, which is precisely Mm -hmm. right. What you're talking about. He is the one uh, who is us before the Father, I would say. Like sometimes we even frame that a little bit too loosely. I would suggest our representative before God is too weak a term. I think the biblical term is that we're actually in him. Christ is in us and we are in him. So he's not standing in front of the Father representing us. He's standing in front of the Father as us. Mm-hmm. Like I am in him as he stands before the Father. There is there is the 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 Christ part. It's Christ's righteousness. It's not my righteousness. But the connotation of the word righteous in and of itself is actually a word that refers to our being. It doesn't refer to my standing, right standing before God. It refers to my being as in Hmm. The word used to be uh, once upon a time, like ancient English, the word was right wise and it kind of slowly changed into righteous. And the idea was this, something's either put together right wise or it's put together wrong wise, AKA something is either what it's supposed to be, or it's not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a being word. Um, and, the, and there's this massive thread in the biblical story about how mm-hmm. our being was violated by the fall. Not just our track record, you know, our sin track record, which needs to be forgiven, but our being itself, our ontology, like what it means to be human was violated. The example that I like to use is this. The, the, <laughs> the most... Um, 
uh, evocative being illustration I can come up with is this. <clears throat> Suppose one day as you're getting ready for work, you're brushing your teeth and your toothbrush falls into the toilet. That toothbrush has had its being violated <laughs> because toothbrushes are supposed to never enter the toilet. And it doesn't matter to me how much you clean that thing. It doesn't matter to me how much you put it in boiling water. That thing is not going back in my mouth because its being has been violated. And the only way I can, I can solve this situation is to get rid of that toothbrush because it is now broken in its being <laughs> and to get out a new toothbrush that's never been in the toilet. And we as human beings, as it were, have been uh, baptized into the toilet of sin. It's not just that I've got a bad track record. It's that human beings, myself, as I'm born, like God created us to be imagers of God, to be able to be access points and representatives of him on this earth. That's what he says when he creates Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. But sin climbs over the wall and begins to live inside us which is a perversion of the crown jewel of creation. Like we are supposed mm -hmm. to literally be the face of God on the planet. And when sin lives inside of us, what do we image? Do we image God? No, we image sin. Like, and that's the big part of like, read the old Testament. Like the Israelites can't go 15 minutes without worshiping something or, or doing something terrible. Like we image sin and, and, and so that imaging capability, this beautiful capacity that makes us the crown jewel of, of creation has actually been perverted mm -hmm. to image sin instead of image God. And the way that, that God deals with that, the way that Jesus resolves that is this profound thing, which Paul writes about over and over again. We, we miss it because we're not thinking in these being layers. He says, that mm -hmm. in Jesus, we become one yes. with Jesus in his crucifixion and his resurrection. We are joined together with him in death and in resurrection. Paul writes, you know, I have been crucified with Christ. Not, not just that, that Christ has been crucified in my place or for me, mm -hmm. but concurrently together as one. We were put in mm -hmm. Jesus and we were crucified with Jesus on the cross. And this is how mm -hmm. the, the, the old toothbrush gets pitched. <laughs> the old us that's broken, that has sin at the core of being, dies, gets buried in the tomb. And when Jesus resurrects as a new creation, yes. we resurrect as a new creation as well. We're born again, the biblical language. We are made new and our being itself is changed. It's moved from wrong in being, having sin living, imaging itself through us, to right in being, mm -hmm. where we are born again as imagers of God again. And so the proper term to describe our being is righteous, right in being. Right. And as you pointed out, it's not because we right. can do anything. We can't fix ourselves. We're the toothbrush that fell in the toilet. That's a powerless situation. You can't fix that. It's all Jesus. But what Jesus does, does actually fix the problem. He does actually make us who we were supposed to be once upon a time again. He is the mm -hmm. firstborn of a new creation, which we get to be a part of. And so we are made new. And, and what happened in this journey, which is all of this is what I write about in the book is 
I realized that this identity mm-hmm. thing like is so connected to the gospel because it's about like I died and resurrected with Jesus. Like I am not who I was before. <laughs> I need to I need to actually trust and receive that that is what Jesus yes. did and that that is who I actually am now. I think yeah I'm I'm kind of just preaching now. So um but I think I think we're so weird and messed up about this thing of like pride and humility. I like the default almost what everyone says is that pride is thinking too highly of yourself and humility is thinking appropriately lowly of yourself or something. There's a there's a pearl in the poop there. Like I get the idea. Um you know your life should be orbiting around God, not about yourself. But I think I would suggest that what pride really is, is is about who gets to define who you are. Mm, yes. Pride is about self-definition. Pride is about I define myself. And what happens is the world define, tries to define themselves is a really high way. And religious people define themselves in a really low way. <laughs> but it's still definition. You know, it's like, I'm scum, I'm terrible, I'm whatever. Um, true humility is realizing God is the creator. I am the created. Yes. He's the potter. I'm the clay. I don't actually define myself. I receive a definition. Mm-hmm. I can't actually even see who I am. Like, I don't know who I am. God is the one who accurately sees me. God is the one who accurately knows me. And so humility is receiving an identity. Humility is saying, I'm not even who I think I am. Like, whatever... My self-concept is even however biblical it, it is, I don't see myself perfectly. I am not ultimately who I think I am. Absolutely. Ultimately, I am who God says I am. Absolutely. I am his definition of me. That's who I actually am. Yes. And I, I always tell people, humility takes what the hand of God gives and says, thank you. You know, the the difference in the gospel is the Old and the New Testament One, we have a person working for their righteousness based on themselves, completely focused on themselves. And in the New Testament, we have Jesus who has given us this new identity. We are no, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and who now represents me as my great high priest and who I now stand with, beloved daughter, son of the living God. And it's humbly receiving that righteousness and humbly receiving that identity instead of no longer working for our own righteousness. You know, it's it's having our eyes transfixed on the beautiful one who did it all for us and saying, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Preach it, girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I was like, ooh, it's coming out. I can't help it. Anymore. You know how it is, man. <laughs> No, but that's that's what happens when when we engage like the truth on this stuff. Yeah. Is that like it can't help but come out. It's the Holy Spirit bearing witness to truth. Yeah. Like he like stands up inside of us and he goes, Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> like that's actually the gospel. Like you gotta get in on that. That's truth happening right there. <laughs> that is so true. Like I am honest honestly one of the loudest people when people are preaching, I'm like, Yes, preach it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I love it so much. Putty, this has been such a fun conversation. Is there anything the Lord's put on your heart to pray for for them? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just love to lean in on prayer and some of that stuff we were just talking about there with 
um, just receiving who the Lord says we are. Um, and, yeah. And then that meaning that we have to really allow ourselves to see ourselves as a new creation. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's just pray about that. Um, okay. And just wherever you are, you know, like, I just want to encourage you like get as comfortable as you can take a deep breath. You know, if you're driving, don't do, don't get too comfortable, I suppose, but Right. Yeah. Don't, you know, just like take a minute, settle in here and let's, uh, let's just like actually expect the Lord to do something here. Like why? Yeah. Um, and so Jesus, I just want to say thank you for being our amazing King. Mm -hmm. And thank you that, um, in you, God, um, we don't, we don't just get to follow you as the most amazing king, which would probably be plenty enough. Mm -hmm. um, but in that followership, God, you redefine who we are. Mm -hmm. You you make us something that we were not before. And Jesus, I want to say thank you that you brought us with you through death and into resurrection and into life. Yes. And, and I want to say that we just agree right now. We just like lean in with our faith that if that's who the Bible says we are, then we receive that, mm -hmm. that the old us, the broken, sinful, uh, loser, failure, disappointments, uh, that that person died, that that person is who hung on the cross, that the person that was against God, the person who was in God's way and opposed to the things of the kingdom, that that person hung on the cross and died as fully as you died. And that has been buried and is is stuck in a tomb 2,000 years ago that we don't even really maybe even know where it is because it doesn't matter because they're gone. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that in you we are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That when the Spirit of God breathed fresh life into your lungs and you were resurrected as the first fruits of the new creation, that you resurrected us as well as a new creation, not as the mm -hmm. old one. As someone who's been put back together the right way, a righteous new creation that's now an imager of God, not an imager of sin. And so, Lord, we just join Paul right now, reckoning ourselves mm -hmm. dead to sin and alive to God with Christ yes. Jesus. We just say, yes, Lord, that is what you did, and we receive it. It doesn't matter whether it stretches us. It doesn't matter whether we have a hard time believing it because it seems too good to believe for myself. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether uh, I have days where I live faithfully to that or days where I feel like that's hard to believe. Lord, if that's what you did, and if that's what you say you did, then we say, yes, Amen. who are we to with you. Amen. We receive that you have made us new. You have born us again. And now, Jesus, you are our older brother in this new creation, that we look and we fit like you. We are Christians, people Christ is in, mm. and that you are now inside of us, living and breathing and, and living to the world through us, that you see out through our eyes, literally, you're looking at the people in our world through our eyes. You're touching the people in our world through our through our hands. You're speaking your words to the people in our world through our mouths. Jesus, I thank you for that. Thank you for making us new. Thank you for making us righteous. And thank you for living inside of us through us toward the world. We just receive those things as a good, good gift 
from our incredible father who moves in ways we can't move, who does things we can't do, but is so good and chooses to do them for us anyway. Lord, I just bless and I release that to each and every person who's here in this, Lord. May faith rise up inside of them and may like just a new place open up in them where it's like, yes, this is who I am. Not because I did anything, but this is who the Bible says that I am. (laughs) And I believe God. (laughs) doesn't matter what I think. I believe God because he's not confused about Mm -hmm. stuff. Lord, I just bless and release a faith Mm -hmm. for that, a faith to live confidently in that place and to live from that place to the world around. It's in your incredible name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that, buddy. That was awesome. I know that's going to bless so many people. Yeah. If you want to get a copy of Putty's book, Live Like Jesus, you can find it on uh, bakerpublishing.com, also on Amazon, wherever books are sold. Putty, what's the best way to for our guests to get in contact with you? Yeah, um, probably two things. Um, I have a, a website puttyputman.com. Uh, that's Putman is P-U-T-M-A-N and putty like silly putty, P-U-T-T-Y. Um, you know, I mean, if you just Google putty Putman, I'm sure you'll find it pretty quickly. Um, but I do a lot uh, through my website. I write a lot of articles. I uh, release video teachings and stuff. And I, I send stuff out just about every week. And so um, I'd say go to the website, get signed up for, for my, uh, my mailing list um, because I, I, I send a lot out and there's a ton we didn't talk about. I do, um, I do a lot of equipping with Holy Spirit ministry stuff. I do a lot with actually like future church stuff nice. um, and like the shape of church and whatever. There's a lot. I, I, I do a lot, but my website's probably easiest. And then of course there's social media. You can find me on Facebook, that kind of too. That's so awesome. And I will, guys, I will put links as always um, to Putty's website and uh, to uh, Live Like Jesus in the show notes on cpnshows.com. Thank you so much, Putty, for being with me today. It has been a pleasure. I, I, I've, I, I'm so happy inside now. <laughs> <laughs> the truth will do that to you. It'll set you free. Amen. Well, I hope today's show has blessed you. I will have links to today's podcast in the show notes on cpnshows.com under Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. You'll find additional resources to connect with us and all of our guests. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. 7778. And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.